you know about the sound of that ground with the city. This is another installment of KG and Fiffle Walkhead podcast. We're being in a, our nice, sexy voices this evening. Good evening, greetings to all of you out there. Thank you for listening. Good day. Walkhead, as we always do, as, as has become customary. What's on your brain? Well, let's start out with I'll start out with the uh, College World Series championships. Championship series starts tomorrow at eight o'clock with uh, Mississippi State representing the SEC and UCLA Bruins representing the Pac-10. Pac-12. Pac-12. I'm sorry. Pac-12. Yeah. Pac-12. And one day will be the Pac-16. I still believe that. And as you know what? Somebody mentioned that in uh, one of the um, offshoots on the football side uh, this past week that there is a possibility that, you know, a, a, a four or five uh, major conference situation and they'll be done playing the sub-level t- uh, teams forever. And folks, when that day comes, we'll all be jumping for joy. At least I will. Because that's probably the way it needs to be. You know, and we're going back to the uh, FCS schools of being playing in competition like they are now, and the bowl series will be just a thing of the past. It'll be all about strictly TV and money. What do you think, sir? That's what it's all about now, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but then it'll be all the way out there and open as they say. It won't be no transparency. It'll just that's, be that. But that's just football. You, for that to happen, you're still excluding the basketball schools like uh, Georgetown or Butler or Oregon. You remember what you just said? And you've always said that they're not concerned about the basketball they school. Just, it's all about football. True, that's, up and that's fine. They can do what they want to do. But as my bread and butter is basketball, I really don't give a flip what those people in football do. So uh, I'll just focus on the basketball and go with that. They, I mean, that has been discussed about the big boys forming a big boy conference for football, and that's fine. I'll stick to my basketball and NCAA tournament and focus on the women's college basketball, which is trying to spark growth as Val Ackerman and her white paper report was unleashed to the uh, media and public earlier or well, a few days ago with different ideas to um, increase the interest, support in the sport of women's college basketball as far as it ranging from improving, changing the days of the tournament, moving it back and forth, having this final four on Friday and Sunday rather than Sunday and Tuesday, um, a lot of the discussions are centering around the coaches. The head coaches need, need to do a better job of oh. marketing their teams. And, you know, and that's always, always repeated over and over again. And you and I know of only one person locally that does that religiously 24-7 every time he's living and breathing and has something to say with a microphone in his face. And that is home set. Are you talking about? Hundred miles up the road? Cause that's is, not really, is it really a hundred miles? Not really locally. <laughs> talking about Coach Gary Blair, Texas A&M. <laughs> I mean, it's really a hundred miles because it shows. As much as we go back and forth up that way, it sure seems like it's, it's a lot shorter. That's a lot shorter trip than it than it seems. But no, Gary, Gary Blair, you know, is um, he's old school, honestly. Because in the discussion, in the uh, listening to, I listened to the uh, Al Ackerman's teleconference uh, to discuss to. It turns out the discussion was wasn't a media teleconference because I didn't hear any media ask questions. Right. And it was and coaches. She was, and, she was more concerned with and, getting it from the director from the coaches. And, and that's, that's what she they, got. And that's when she just and they just basically just opened up. I was really surprised at how many did and some of the coaches that that gave feedback. And and almost all of them talked about the need for coaches to do do a better job marketing their team locally. And that's one thing Gary Blair did. They cited 
Pat Summit did it when she was coaching, when she started out at Tennessee. Jordy Conrad did it at Texas. All the, I'm not trying to disparage them by any means because it's with due respect, the old school coaches, the coaches that were around when women's college basketball was in its infancy stages, they had to do all the, they had to do all the work. They had to do the, the marketing, the, the promotions, the going out into the community, the going to, to the churches and the schools and doing all those little things to get the word out about their school and their team. Uh, Coach Sherry Cole, Oklahoma, uh, not as old as Coach Summit, Coach Conrad, but she had to build yeah. interest in Oklahoma. Ten years ago, and she and she did a great job. Another doing person that. that does that, Bill Finley at uh, Iowa State. You know, she conversationalizes on, on a regular basis. He's always got an open ear, and a uh, uh, and when given the opportunity, talks about women's basketball in his program. And to that end, I want to thank him. This might tie, ties on into uh, my women's basketball blog, HoustonRomarview.com, or the website. So far, I've got comments from two of my local coaches. Rice's Greg Williams and Houston Baptist Donna Finney, both of them kind enough to take a few moments out of their busy schedule because it's almost time to hit the summer recruiting trail to uh, give me their thoughts on Ackerman's report and the white paper. You go to my blog, Women's Who's blog, and read Coach Finney's comments. Coach Finney's comments are very detailed, but both um, Coach Finney and Coach Williams were in favor of the move to Friday, Sunday for the Final Four as opposed to Sunday, Tuesday as it is right now, because it used to be Friday. It used to be Saturday, Sunday for a while. There's back-to-back right. back days. Like when we first went to the Final Four in San Antonio in 2002, whatever it was, yeah. that was Saturday, Sunday. Right. Semifinals were on Saturday. Championship game was on Sunday. So I think that probably won't happen. It seems like a lot of coaches are in favor of the Friday, Sunday format, um, possibly a change to moving it to tournament the Final Four before or after the men. So it's not in the same weekend as the men. I'm kind of afraid of that because it's not, as, as you know, you and I both know, there's not much media coverage right. at the Women's Final Four right now. And, and I don't think changing it before the fellas or after the fellas going to have any media there. Because the only media who covers final, Women's Final Four nationally is Doug Feinberg from the AP, Mel Greenberg, the guru, who's now MelGreenberg.com, basically, because he's, right. he's out of a job, uh, Wendy Parker, who's Basketball Times, and me and you. And folks, and I'm gonna tell you, after, especially after this, uh, this past uh, Final Four in New Orleans, the country, uh, and I'm gonna just say it just like it is, the controversy of seating and. Well, hold on, let me back up. I don't wanna, I don't want her to throw shoes at us, throw bricks at us the next time we see her. Oh, and our friend at Hoopfeed, Hoopfeed.com, she yeah. does, she covers women's basketball much more than even you and I do yeah. on national scope. So, yeah, cool she, her she as well. Covers, so, uh, and, um, it all. Oh, I can't think of it. People on the West Coast, I'll, I'll come, it'll come to me because I follow them on Twitter, but they also do full scout, not full scout, but it'll come to me. But there's also, there's only a handful, basically my point is, there's only a handful of yeah. national websites, blogs, publications that cover women's college basketball regardless of the teams participating in the Final Four. So we're going to be there, whether that's in the same time as the fellas, before the fellas, or after the fellas. Now everybody else, as far as the national papers and other, that's not going to happen. No. You know, so that's the, that is one of the problems that women's basketball has in terms of coverage. And even fan support. Fans, uh, women college basketball fans are fans of their team. They're not fans of the sport. And it's a different, a different environment and a different gender. Let's just be, let's just be real about this. Uh, senior citizen crowd, mm-hmm. uh, mostly female. And like you said, they're fans of their schools, and they're most of the small town uh, 
uh, rural um, type city where it's a the school is built, the, the town is built up around the school, and the fan support is just there. Like uh, Iowa State with in Ames, uh, A&M at, uh, at College Station, UT, Austin, Connecticut. Uh, uh, Connecticut, you know, in stores, stores mm-hmm. uh, Ruston, and uh, with uh, La Tech. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a difference when you and Louisville. I mean, as, as big as it is, it's still around. And that, 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 that program, Tennessee, uh, and Knoxville, same thing. And Coach, Coach Wall and Louisville did a great job building up support in women's college basketball by the marketing and the grassroots and little things to get, generate the support there. So it can be done. Um, and I'm not criticizing our local coaches. I'm not criticizing anybody. But I do believe they could do more. That's all I'm saying. Especially... When I, you and I both have had and still have a relationship with Ralph Cooper at KCOH, who has always had an open door <clears throat> to the coaches, men's and women's basketball, men's women's sports, whatever, yeah. to come by and promote their teams. And, and, not, and not all of them have taken advantage of that. And to be honest with you, let's see, one, two, three, four. Uh, Coach Williams has, has yet to, uh, but, uh, Coach McKinney, Coach Cooper, Coach Yolanda, Coach Brown, Coach, Coach, Coach Brown, um, Todd, and the big guy, Joe, Coach Carroll, Coach Carroll. Uh, but, uh, nobody else, um, has come back. San Jack has a nice program. Uh, Lee College has a nice program. Uh, HBU had a nice, had a nice program that's starting to rebuild. Uh, Prairie View, you know, they've gone transition, but they, they, they'll always, uh, oh yeah, she calls, she calls in some, uh, often enough, you know, but like you said, as far as an end, coming in and to the, studio, mm-hmm. to the studio, that needs to be stressed, especially during the off season when things are slow. Yeah, I agree. Without a doubt. Because it's still about recruiting, and that's part of it. And and I'm going to say it like this. It's not your job or my job to make them come by the station. I'll just leave it at that. And I'm not and then, and then, on the other hand, don't complain about lack of interest in your program. That's true. Um, and the one... The, Something is the uh, tip off. I was reading that that not tip off the uh, WBCA. North Texas is is going to host a whiteboard uh, August the eighth from ten to four on campus in the pit in Denton, Texas. It's, it's a region. The whiteboard is is what they call a regional setting of inviting coaches on all levels from Scholastic all the way up to other college coaches where there's a open forum and discussion of where they want to take their particular program and where they want to take women's basketball to the next level. How successful this will be is anybody's guest. Uh, assistant coach Karen Blair will be the host of the event. But the one thing that everybody needs to know, 
is free. You contact uh, the North Texas State uh, Women's Basketball website uh, to register, and uh, you can go to the uh, WBCA's website, and you can and bring up the uh, article at uh, WBCA www.bca.org and whiteboard it'll come up and it'll give you a uh, link to register for the uh, whiteboard session coaches please get involved I know that's the Dallas area but my goodness somebody here in this area shoot that's the only reason I'm mentioning don't let us get fall behind because everybody's out venturing in every which direction. We've got five new conferences that will be available. Somebody needs to, to not just let Dallas just get involved with everything, especially now that the SWAC will be hosting the men's and women's basketball tournament in 2014. In Houston, Texas. In Houston, Texas. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's right. In 2014. Years is moving along so fast because football is just right around the corner. Speaking of whiteboard, did you get a chance to read all the way through on the white paper? I'm about right halfway through it so far. You know, it's, it's a lot. It sure is. It's, it's, a, it's a lot to. And there, there are links to the to the white paper and the article on my blog as well, HoustonRunBarview.com. Check out the women's Who's blog is there. So I got to toot my horn. So go ahead. Yeah, and I, I posted it on my on my blog and on my which is AKSV DCSR. Spot, uh, blogspot.com uh, several of the things that I noticed uh, that kind of like jumped out at me was the attendance uh, averages how they've dropped but also how they've leveled off uh, like you mentioned earlier about getting away from the part system uh, and just going to what works and getting the input and all from the, from the college coaches for whatever reason, just like anything else, three things jumped out at me. One, the people that were involved at the time as far as pushing the, uh, uh, the media, the electronic media, radio and TV, pushed enough money toward the powers that be, NC2A, that it would be beneficial for them to go the money route, which didn't work. Uh, they got away from the bigger route, got away, moved out to the uh, huge stadium arenas, football stadium uh, seating, and buildings were not, uh, didn't have a large attendance. Then the next thing they went to was uh, uh, neutral sites. Had one year A&M, I was going all the way, went all the way across country to, what, California, from Oregon. For Washington. For Washington for first and second round. Two years in a row. And that didn't work. Tried the part system. It brought the levels back up, but it didn't last because the regionals that year, the, the regionals though, that, that year was all off the deep end. I mean, it was so far away. I think the closest was, uh, uh, what, Oklahoma City that year? I think it was the first time with, uh, the Tennessee's next, that, that first, Run with uh, Candace and that group. The other thing that jumped out at me was how 
folks were starting to do were trying to relate, putting the brackets and I know putting stuff together, relating it to the fellas, to the men's filing for, which I thought was asinine, because you and I have been to enough meetings and all the social events with coaches doing the filing for it, where it's been discussed. Don't treat the two games in the same vernacular. That's one thing. That the, also another thing that the report, Bell Ackman's report, hit on is to distinguish right between the two, between the two, between women's college basketball and men's because they're different, and then people in charge of women's hoops need to market it as such and stop trying to make it the fellas' game because it's not the fellas' game. You know, because I still been a I still talk about my rant and rave at one of the mock selections when someone mentioned. About that, that relative uh, subject of rec- of being putting the two in the same uh, same vernacular, I'll, I'll, I'll place it that way. And uh, I kind of went off the deep end, had to be not laid out, but uh, allowed to rant for about two or three minutes. It was all I needed, but. The one thing that everybody understood, that even I understood, and they were kind of shocked because I'm usually a quiet person just sit and listen. But that kind of rankled me. That, And this was somebody that finally admitted he doesn't cover women's sports on a regular basis. And they just didn't get it. And that was, like, that was one of the reasons, I think, why the Houston area has yet to get a women's regional or even a women's final four because they're still looking at it from what they see at Reliant, at a bigger arena, and they see all these fam- folks in the stands. They think they can do the same thing all when they're pitching, the, making a pitch. Oh, Wildcat, now you're opening up those, those, I don't old, care. those old wounds in my, in, my, in my fall, that Wildcat. Get one, I don't care. one of the things that there aren't enough teams, that women's college basketball teams that draw well attendance-wise. I mean, every year the NCAA announces or releases attendance figures for the top 50, actually for all the teams, all the Division One schools, and then they have the top 50. Once you get past 15 to 20, the average, average attendance drops from 5,000 per game to almost 2,000 or less. That's in the top 50. So 25, 21 down to 50, average is 2,000, and that's in their top 50. So that is why the suggestion of having the top 16 teams seeded team host, host. It, has, it has to happen because if you want butts in the seats if you want to see butts in the seats on TV when you turn the games on ESPN ESPN 2 right. you want to see people actually at the games that's got to happen you're not going to have no offense to U of H well, that's my school I love my school folks ain't going to come to U of H and they're not going to come to see Rice they're going to come to U of H they're not going to come to PV they're going to come to TSU and part of that is the apathy of the administration tied with the apathy of the fans toward women's college basketball, which has to change as well. But it's all tied together. But you go to Tennessee, fans will be there. You go to Connecticut, fans will be there. You go to A&M, fans will be there. But even Coach Blair is disappointed in the fact that they average 7,000 people. He wants it to be more than that. So it's all Oklahoma. Fans will be there. It's, it's only a handful of women's college basketball programs that support their schools in mass. Notre Dame, it's the, it's the big time program. Speaking of that, do you remember two years was it two years ago, a year ago when when Gino got upset 
because the fans had apathy toward just because they don't win it so much. Well, yeah, he got they, win. Win. they wouldn't show up to a first round game. Mm-hmm. You just basically said, you know what? Folks say, well, it's because it's Geno and UConn. But at the end of the day, it goes back to what, Van, what was mentioned in that report. You cannot sit on your butt and allow that to happen. If they're dropping off, you need to find out why they're dropping off. And part of that is also mentioned in the paper is the price of the tickets. They're trying to, some of the prices of tickets are like the, as if it's the men's game. It ain't the men's game. So don't charge prices like it is the men's game. You don't have the same game. You don't have the same timeout uh, activities going on and all these little things. That once again, Coach Finney at HBU, she suggested, she talked about, she said that uh, her players are going to be more more involved in the community this off season and during the season to promote their their team and their program. Things like that have to be done. Things like that have to be done, and you have to let the media know that you're doing those things to get the word out about it, to put it in the paper, to put it on the websites, put it on TV, put it on radio, to let folks know that you exist. And about all that stuff. Let's talk about the NBA Finals. I didn't get the number of games correct. I, didn't, I did get the I didn't team get, correct. I didn't get the team correct. I picked the Heat to win the championship. Well, I picked the Spurs to win the championship. Thanks to a miraculous Thursday night. This was a Tuesday night game. Tuesday, depending on your perspective. It was a tremendous comeback by the Heat or a tremendous creative job oh, by the Spurs. <laughs> somebody asked me about that yesterday. That was discussed. Now, I'm going I'm to, since now I've got my soapbox and I'm at my spot. What transpired with 28 seconds left to go? Why during a uh, timeout, whatever transition procedural is when it's a close-out game that you start setting security in place, and security was sitting in place. What you didn't see because the only area that's not roped off. Is the team and scoreboards at the scores table side where both the teams are sitting, but on the other three, the two in uh, two uh, in lines and across the way are all correct, uh, walled off, roped off, and guys started seeing security putting the rope up, sitting around by the by the floor, on sitting down waiting for the game to be over with, and they just looked at each other and said, "This can't happen." We just can't let this happen and hit back with a trophy sitting there. And that's way <clears throat> And that's fine. But it also helped that Kawhi Leonard missed a free throw. Right. The model missed a free throw. And that Spurs couldn't get rebounds when they needed to. So. And, and I think that that attributes to them losing the game. Not because certain people weren't in the game. It was just what happened mentally with both of those teams. Everything changed at that one switch. And I think Greg Popovich, as great a coach as he is, he he thought him, he thought too much and cost his team a championship. Yep. He had Tim Duncan on the bench down the stretch when they needed to get rebounds and they didn't get them. I think he put too much trust in some of his his uh, role players who are role players for a reason. Uh, tackle splitter Danny Green crashed back to earth the last few games of the series. Couldn't make a three-pointer, couldn't make a, a floater, couldn't get anything off the dribble or anything like that. How much of an intro? Tony Parker, I, clearly he, his hamstring injury okay. bothered him, okay. no doubt. But kudos to the Heat for winning back-to-back championships. LeBron was MVP. He's got two MVPs. He's led the team to two championships, three straight trips to the NBA Finals. LeBron's been to the Finals about four times. Now, uh, 
in the first trip to the finals was he carried the Cavaliers literally and I mean, to the finals. Literally. And yet haters still bash him for any little thing, comparing him to Michael Jordan. <clears throat> Which I think is a bad comparison. Let, let me just do this. Uh, Michael Jordan was 35, 36 years old when he finished playing, whatever. LeBron is 28. Okay. Okay. How far ahead is he in, in so age they, they both won championships about to start winning championships at the same time. Because the folks, see, the youngsters and the folks that don't know about basketball do not realize that Michael Jordan got the same criticism his first seven years in the NBA that LeBron did because a, when Mike did not win championships. A black hole. A black they, hole. They said, well, he's not doing enough to help his team win. Those got the same kind of hate that LeBron received. Michael Jordan played with Scottie Pippen. Michael Jordan not won a championship without Scottie Pippen. Think about it. He yeah. had these six rings. Pippen was by his side six times. Hall of Famer. Yeah. Dennis Rodman. Last three of those championships. Hall of Famer. <clears throat> How many Hall of Famers has LeBron played with? No. Dwayne Wade, probably. Probably. Who else? Uh, other than Shaq on the back end. That's it. Did LeBron play with today? Yeah. Do you remember they went to go went to Cleveland for that little, that little stand? Oh, fat, that, fat, out of, fat. Yeah, I was on the back end. Yeah. On the back end when he, when he couldn't play, he couldn't move around, feet was bad. When he wasn't in his prime. But, but you asked me, then your question was, how many yeah, dollars? You're right. Yeah, yes, yeah. Other than that, that's mm-hmm. it. Okay. Now, if it's all about rings, which apparently the haters choose to believe it is, Wildcat, how many rings does Robert Orr have? Was it seven? Thank you. Yes. <laughs> he has seven. Folks. Michael Jordan has six. Well, if it's all about rings, then Robert Orr must be better than Michael Jordan. And if it's all about rings, the the ultimate man who stands alone is Bill Russell. How many Rump? rings does Bill Russell have? Eleven. Thank you. So if it's all about rings... And the only person that's got 11 rings that's, that's still involved in the game is Phil. <laughs> and he's a coach. So all all these people who are saying, well, it's all about the rings, well, if it is, then until, by some miracle, unless Michael Jordan wins five more rings, ain't gonna happen. It ain't gonna happen. So Bill Russell's still the greatest player of all time if it's all about rings. And he's still the greatest player of all time. So, you know, all that... that those kind of discussions. You better be glad Wilkins not here to, to, to have make comment on this. Like no, Raph no, said. No. But see, <laughs> it's easy to bash Will Wildcat because he only has two rings. But they you know, know he was the most dominant player to play the game. NBA. But see, if it's all about rings, then that's why you criticize Carl Malone and Patrick Ewing and Charles Barkley. You know, winning a championship is hard. You need a lot of things to go right to win a championship. And to it go involves right some there. luck, involves good health, good coaching, it involves the opponents having some tough breaks. All those things are factor in to winning a championship. And the, the hardest part about that all is trying to go back to back. That team went through two hard series. Because the series with Indiana, uh, with Indiana was a lot longer than Miami wished it would have been. No doubt. But that series woke them up to what it was going to take to get to the end. And that was what I think Danny Granger. And, and the Heat won a championship thanks to LeBron and Dwayne Wade. 
Chris Bosh game seven. Did he score at all in game seven? I don't think he did. No. So His defense the last two games is, is what carried them over the hump. There's there's no big three if you're talking about overall talent. You know, God bless Chris Bosh and his paycheck. But skill wise, if if a team, another team is want to take him on, like the Bobcats, we talked about this a couple weeks podcast ago, wanted to trade for Bosh. I said, please go ahead. You know, let's feel yeah. free to take that. We can do something else. A few more things we are talking about here on, on the uh, KG Fifth Wildcat podcast. Let's talk Rockets. We got the NBA draft coming up on June 27th. Rockets still have 34th pick. Uh, they, you they, may get, the- they may get a first round pick when they're trying to trade Thomas Robinson. Everybody knows they're trying to trade Thomas, Thomas Robinson. They, they get a first round pick to free up cap room. They're just going to draft that foreign player, an international player. Keep them overseas so they don't have to count that salary slot toward the salary cap to free it up oh, to, go out there, about that to, uh, go out to Dwight Howard. But let's talk about tampering, Wildcat. Tampering. I'm going to read you the tampering. <clears throat> oh, and one more thing. I want to know the stats about uh, Jordan. He scored more points than LeBron. Jordan averaged 36 and 5. 30 points, 6 rebounds, 5 assists. LeBron, 28, 7 and 7. But he has two less points, but one more assist, one more steal, one more rebound. But now, I'm going to ask this question. Who was asked to do more? Oh, no doubt. Who had to do more? LeBron had to do more. Who was asked to do more? Because he had less help. But, you know, I think it's clear, you know, people who are listening know why I stand on the discussion. And I'm not bashing Michael Jordan. I know, I know great time when I see it. Trust me, he but, does. But do not <laughs> sit here. There was a question before he before I find out, but he does. <laughs> Don't don't sit here and just say to me, it's all Jordan LeBron. LeBron's not even done playing. Right. So he may have eight more years to go, and if he wins four more rings, four or five more rings, then what are the haters going to say then? You're comparing LeBron who's still playing to a man who hasn't played, who's done playing, it's a piss poor comparison. Yeah. People like Skip Bayless who who just lives to be difficult. And just throws. Just, I mean, he just wants. He just wants to be different. I mean, those kind of arguments just don't wash. But anyway, back to the Rockets and back to tampering. I did a blog post this morning on my men's suit blog, HoustonBarview.com. Check it out. I already tweeted it on on Twitter and my Facebook fan page. Uh, Twitter is T H E H R Review. Title of them is uh, Chandler Parsons and Tampering. Wildcat. <clears throat> what is tampering? I'm going to read you the definition of tampering, okay? I'm listening. Tampering is when a player or team directly or indirectly entices, induces, or persuades anybody, player, general manager, etc., who is under contract with another team in order to negotiate for their services. Okay, that's the definition. As in the NBA's collective bargaining agreement, that is the definition of tampering. Mm-hmm. Saturday. Another Fagan from the Houston Chronicle has a quote from Chandler Parsons. <clears throat> quote, I talk to Dwight every day, Parsons said. I've created a relationship with him where I feel like we're very close. He hits me up by everything. I've covered pretty much every question. I've covered pretty much every question he's had. I basically tell him, we have a chance to be really good without you next year. We're going to have a good season. Why not come and join us? Join our core guys who are for sure to be here and make us great. Make us contend for a championship. 
And that's the main point I've gotten from talking to him. He wants to win. He wants to win rings. It's obvious there's no better fit, no better team or opportunity to do that than with us, end quote. Is that not tampering? That's tampering. You got an everyday conversation going on with another player. Because even Patrick mentioned this last week in, a, in an interview. Um, I was listening in transit. In transit. Uh, then, you know, him being an employee, and that's what, what gender parts it is, right? He's an employee of the Rockets. Am yes. I correct? Correct. Because that's why you're collecting a check. They find you about things like that when you start talking about uh, conversationalizing with others. I'm glad you brought that up, Wildcat. I'm glad you brought that up. Also in, the, in my blog post, the Rockets, Kings, and the Hawks have already been fined for tampering this month. Rockets were well, fine. Well, well, hold on, hold on. The reason I'm saying you hold up because that was mighty quiet. But June 10th, the Rockets, Rockets, Kings, and Hawks were fine. That was public. It was in the NBA press release. There's three teams that were fine. Hawks were one of the, the team listed. The other two were kind of hush-hushed, and it came out. That's the other two were the Rockets and the Kings. This is also in my blog post. It's all linked. I got the article. I linked to the articles to discussing the tampering. The Hawks one is really egregious, but apparently an employee of the Hawks sent a letter to season ticket holders promoting the chances of the Hawks signing Chris Paul and Dwight Howard more than once. You think he did in February, then he did <laughs> February and April. So I'll be fine. Okay. Then the Kings were fine when new head coach Michael Malone said at his press conference, Chris Paul, quote, would look good in a Kings uniform, end quote, tampering. The Rockets were fined because of a series of stories produced by the club's website analyzing the play of free agents. So they were fined. Those teams were fined for that. How in the hell can Chandler Parsons and Rockets not be fined for what Parsons is quoted saying in the paper? I'll tell you how. <clears throat> also in my blog post. I covered everything in this blog post. You've been busy this week. In 2010, David Stern, Commissioner Godfather David Stern, was asked, you remember this a few years ago, everybody was wondering about Dwayne Wade openly recruiting LeBron and Chris right. Bosch to come to Miami. Right. They were asked, they asked David Stern, Commissioner, isn't that, isn't that tampering? Quote, the three players are totally, as our system has evolved, within their rights to talk to each other. Yeah. End quote. Yeah. That is not tampering or collusion. That is prohibited. That's our rule right now. End quote. That's David Stern. Now, if I remember correctly, during that conversation going back and forth, wasn't Dwayne asked point blank in a post-game interview or whatever about going to Cleveland, them all going to Cleveland and playing with LeBron in there, and Dwayne's answer was straight up, no way. It just ain't going to happen. They said, yeah, we, it was basically, he, he gave reference to, yeah, the three of us have talked, and we've talked about all three different cities, and it's been down between Miami and Cleveland. He didn't mention about them coming to Miami playing, but it was definitely mentioned about them all going to Cleveland and playing because they knew it there yeah, because it was right after the, uh, Cleveland's run to the finals. And was to get to get him some help and all them going up there playing and, and Cleveland winning the championship. Well, if I'm not, if, in reference to what you just read, and what you wrote about, is that not, is that not blatantly, we done discussed it, but 
that's not going to happen on that end. It might be everybody going to be coming here, but we're not going to Cleveland and playing. The thing is, I read the definition of tampering. I gave you Chandler Parsons' quotes, gave you the example of the team being fined for tampering. And then it said, David Stern said it's not tampering what the players did 2010. So if David Stern himself said that what the players did, the players talking to each other is not tampering, then what Chandler Parsons is doing is not tampering, which is contradictory to what the rule states. Now, in reference to that, earlier this week, uh, I think it was, yeah, it was Thursday, because that was, a, that was the finals, right? Yes, um, Mr. Stern mentioned about, somebody, the question we had brought up all day in all of his, his conversationalizing, and he basically said that the office, and this is the way he referenced it, the office has talked to both teams involved between the Celtics and the Clippers. I'm glad you brought that up. Because I was in transit a lot this week, so I wasn't able to just sit down in front of the computer now, but you, you get every now and then you get, thank goodness for serious radio. I'm, gl- I'm glad you brought that up because and you're touching on the discussion between the Clippers, between the Clippers and the Celtics involving Doc Rivers going from Celtics coach to become the Clippers head coach. And then, and then Kevin Garnett following in a separate transaction in a trade involving DeAndre Jordan and or draft picks basically ends up ultimately with Doc Rivers coaching the Clippers, Garnett going to the Clippers, and probably Paul Pierce going to the Clippers as well. Commissioner Stern said, uh, because basically a team cannot trade for a coach. That is in the rules. But Commissioner Stern said with all the discussions going, going on, ongoing throughout these NBA finals, there's no way that they can say this is not, this is not, this is not being discussed. So the Clippers and the Celtics had to prove, had to come up with an agreement to keep the transaction separate, keep the Garnett deal, acquire him via trade, separate from Doc Rivers becoming the head coach of the Clippers. Commissioner Stern squashed that saying, well, how, how are they, how are they going to say with a straight face that it's not the same deal? It's been talked about for two weeks now. We all know it's been talked about. It's all been discussed publicly, blah, 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 blah. Over the weekend, it seemed the deal was dead. Wildcat. You talking about as of today? Come on. Wildcat. Come on. Five minutes ago, roughly, a tweet from Mr. NBA Insider, the Yahoo Sports, Adrian Wojnarowski, who I'm following everybody A-wo. follows. A-wo. Clippers call Celtics today. Offered a first round pick for Rice to coach Doc Rivers and sides near agreement. Now you know what happened? So they went from the deal being dead a few days ago to Chris Paul being pissed off that the deal was dead because everything, one of the main reasons to get this deal done is to assure that Chris Paul resigned with the Clippers. Right. Chris Paul was pissed off that the deal seemed to be dead. So apparently, Mr. Paul still carried a lot of weight. And the Clippers have acquiesced a little bit, so now talks are ongoing, and maybe they're going to finally reach an agreement. Now, staying with that topic, since we just brought out Mr. Chris Paul and just brought his name just just out there in the the high concrete and starting to to click it a little bit, is he not the result of a league done deal, league office done deal? Right. To the Clippers. Right. So uh, it is... When the is, NBA is 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 the, is, is the commissioner 
now going to not allow a deal to be done that he's not able to control or that a deal to be done that can override the new CBA? That's a good question. Because because when the, the league because the, the new CBA is how the new rule that rule came in. When the league owned oversaw the New Orleans Hornets, Mr. Stern vetoed a trade that would have basically would have sent Paul uh, Gasol to the Rockets. That's all we care about here in Houston. Hey, hey, now that, that's our point. We're, and, we're and, he, and he he, vet, he vetoed the trade for basketball reasons. Which I still got to But he change. approved another deal that ultimately sent Chris Paul from the Hornets to the Clippers involving Eric Gordon going to the Hornets and younger players, et cetera, et cetera. The deal the Rockets were involved in, the Rockets got Paul Gasol involved more older players, whatever you want to call it. But basically, Commissioner Stern vetoed that deal that was agreed upon among the teams. He said no. So... I'm curious to see how the league is going to, if this, the Clippers and Celtics reach agreements to get these deals done, because they got to be separate deals done, what the league's going to do to approve them. But my take on all, for all of this is, who in the hell is Doc Rivers to say, to dictate, I don't want to stay in Boston, I'm under contract here, but I do want to go, I'm, I demand a trade to another team. Yes, I'm a head coach. Yes, I'm under contract with the Celtics. But I demand to be going to trade to the Clippers. Who the, who the hell does he think he is? And then he's he may be able to pull this stuff off. Now, That's a bad precedent being set right here. But now, something else just popped up in my mind. Will it be a time factor in between that getting done? Let's say you get, let's say all this comes about. Or at least it, it allows to go through the rivers and all and you, you cross to the other side. First you get the coach done. How much of a time factor between that getting done and then the Garnett deal getting done to, to make it look like a seemingly a separate deal? That's, that's a good question. Because I mean, July 1st is, was it July 1st midnight? When, when free agency begins? Free agency begins technically July 1st Eastern time. So midnight Eastern time. Okay. Which is like 10.59 our time. That's Eastern when they can actually offer you. So they cannot. They can make an offer. Yeah, they can't sign contracts with free the agents. After more moratorium period, it's the first eight, nine days of July. And then after that, teams can sign free agents. So you're talking like from the 1st to, like, say, the July 10th 9th. Or the 14th? July 9th. Okay. You allow to, you, you get to get the coach thing done. Now you wait until the 1st of August, and you get the player thing done. Is, is that going to work out for everybody? Or will it be if they, think, to if they think we're stupid. You know, it's, because it's, that's something you can. Oh, no, yeah, they're gonna have to. They're gonna have to do something to agree to do something, and then just think we're stupid. Because that, you remember that's what got because Paul the Pierce situation in Minnesota, right? Like that all blew up in everybody's face because of that. Well, it's somewhat similar. It's similar, but that was, it, you mean Mikhail, the owner Glenn Taylor with the brown right. napkin for Young Garnet, yeah. who wrote on that napkin. So that was that was some proof of that rope. But I mean, even that, even even that, I mean, that was written down on paper. But all this back and forth discussion, 
Yeah, it's this all like public it's, and everybody yeah, it's, it's the same thing. So we'll see how this all plays out. Uh, I want to shift gears and talk about my Cougars because they've been in the news last few days for for good, for good things. Well, he's no longer a Cougar, so we don't care about him anymore. Uh, whatever his name is, isn't it? What's his name again? Charles Sims. Charles Sims. Yeah, we'll find out who replaced him. He's no longer a Cougar, so yeah, he's good. You leave, you leave, whatever. We'll find Unless it. you come back like apparently a big man, Valentine Azundu is. Once you don't, once you're not a Cougar, you're not a Cougar as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but big man, Valentine Azundu, but that's why you're here. You can talk about Charles Sims because you interviewed him for, uh, yeah, for King Size of the Year. Yeah. You know, so that's okay. fine. When you leave my, my school, I really don't, I'm not going to spend too much time talking about you. But a couple of things. Cougar signed 6'9", 255, big man. Ahmed Amdi from Sugarland, Texas, Trent International School. I'd never heard of, to be honest. Just, I, I was going to ask you if you've heard of it. Uh, no. You know, it's, it's, we contacted a couple of folks and they said, it's there. That's all I was told. And I, I, I linked to the website. It's on the blog as well. So it's a basketball academy slash school. You put up good numbers. I'm not sure the, how, I guess who? I don't know. The level of competition is, but you know, 19 points, 14 rebounds, one block, four, four steals a game. I don't know. That kind of surprised me. Four steals a game. For a big man? For, That's so, a lot. I mean, so the Cougs announced that, and then that, a day later, the Cougs announced that, uh, local product, LJ Rose, guard, big guard, but you point guard, is transferring from Baylor to U of H. And, they're going to try to get a waiver from the NCAA to allow LJ to play in the 13-14 season like Ahmed will sign to play this year. Typical transfers have to sit out a year, which means LJ would not be eligible to play until 2014-2015 season. But his case is unique because his mom is ill, and that's the reason he decided they transfer from Baylor to come back home to be close to her. So if the NCAA approves that, then there's a possibility that LJ will be a Cougar and play with the Cougars this fall, 13-14 season, the debut season in the American. If that's the case, the Cougs would be very deep. They could have possibly found some fill-ins for Joseph Young, who's leaving. Uh, LD's not a scorer. He's, he's a point guard, a true point guard. Joseph Young was a scorer. So those two things in the news, as I stated, big man Valentine Azundu, who in May and earlier requested his release from U of H, but apparently last few days I've heard it has not been confirmed in print, but I have heard that Izundu is coming back. He's not going to leave U of H. He's going to come back and play with the Cougs. So all those things hold true. You got Izundu and Rose playing this year for the Cougs. Cougs could be a very good team. Could be. I'm not saying they, I like to think that they're going to the NCAA tournament. But at the very, very least, the very, very least, there'll be a postseason play. Being, no, no. It's only two postseasons I'm caring about. The NCAA tournament and the NIT. <laughs> CBI and all the other, other crap. No. Uh, what is the other one? CBI. <laughs> CIT. Something like that. I think it's CIT, whatever. Yeah. NIT or the NCAA. One of those two. If that doesn't happen, then they need new coaches. Uh, <clears throat> uh, but because we're broke, <laughs> we're struggling for money and struggling to do a lot, a lot of other things. Right. Coach Dickie may hang around another year. But there's a lot of good things going on there with Ahmed Amdi joining the team, Bunchy Rose joining the team. Uh, supposedly, Valentine Zundu coming or staying, returning. Or, I don't know. What do you want to call that? He he got released, and he decided to come back, so I'm not sure how it's going to work. 
in terms of wording, but uh, Coach Daniel Robinson is leaving the staff to become associate associate head coach at Loyola Chicago. And then, of course, Michael Young is is leaving, and that's still up in the air legal-wise. And, and we don't know what's going on with that. And so you know, that's, a, that's kind of like an open discussion, kind of like just left out there in, in, in a cloud. So, yeah, we're not sure about how that, that's going to be resolved. But Michael Young leaving the staff, Coach Robinson leaving the staff, so there are two openings on the staff. And I won't discuss names, but I've heard a few names of possible replacements. We'll see how those things go. Um, player-wise, it could be Coach Dickey has, has pulled somewhat of a nice, small rabbit out of his hat to get some talent back on the team. He's got to win. Yeah, Cooper and, alums are uh, frustrated. At the end of the day, that's what Frustrated like. with the weak non-conference schedule they played last year. Hope his schedule should be announced in a few days. I mean, not a few days, but, you know, probably by August non-conference schedule. Hopefully it's much more competitive. I touched on uh, they're going to be in the Classic uh, in November. Um, that's on our website as well. Check that out. So, better schedule, better competition, better players. Now you got to win ball games. Football, uh, American announced the football games with American Conference. Cooper's going to be on TV a few times. I think you may have more about that Wildcat on your college sports report. How can folks find you, sir? At um, AKSV, the CSR, blogspot.com, Twitter, at AKSV, the CSR, and YouTube, AKSV, the CSR. And on the front page of the web, newspaper and print, a king-size view. Uh, I've gotten two commissions and all uh, for uh, next month, starting next month, uh, to... Uh, Memphis, Tennessee, for the Just Blues Music Awards. Um, and then they, uh, another function, I think, Labor Day weekend, uh, just uh, the weekend before. But uh, the Wildcat will be busy this coming year. That's great. Kudos to you, sir. We'll wrap it up with this. Uh, the Cougs, football games, let's see, um, game against Southern in, in Reliant. It's going to be on uh, ESPN3. That time has been announced at 7.30. Then the following week, Cougs go on the road for their first conference game in the American versus Temple. Kickoffs at 11 o'clock, Houston time. Uh, in, in Philly? In Philly, yes. The Cougs will face Memphis at 11 a.m. October 12th. Game's going to be at BBVA Cobb Stadium. Thank you. Home of Dynamo and TSU. As we stated last podcast, TSU needs to do better to let folks know that they also play at that stadium. And you, this animal. The one thing I'll say this season, Southern comes to town twice. They play U.H. Uh, and TSU uh, this, this this season here. Folks, if you want to find out what real support is on the road, show up at them games. Jaguar Nation. Because they are real. They are real. Southern alums are serious about supporting the athletic program. Kudos to Jaguar Nation. I'm going to wrap it up. I am a proud Cougar alum. I'm going to support my football team. I'll buy tickets. Uh, I think we're waiting for the American debut on July 1st. Yeah. So that's going to happen in the next few days. We'll talk about that in the next podcast. And, and until that time, Conference, US, the Conference USA had, uh, announced their new logos and their new website right. look and I just, on June 19th or 20th, a few days ago. Yeah. Check that out. Rice is still part of Conference USA, so we still have a team and that to focus on. Right. 
so 16 team league this year is it 12? Right, 16. So, uh, how did you have a South man with, uh, with, with HBU. And HBU's uh, in the Southland Conference, right? And you got the swag with, uh, Prairie View and Texas Southern. And of course, Texas A&M is in the SEC. And, um, Longhorns and Baylor are in, are in the Big 12. Well. So we have all these area and state teams to focus on. Not going to get TCU in the Big 12 as well. And way out west. Well, I'll say this last thing. we wrap it up here. Congratulations to a young lady who we've known for a long, long time. Demetri Buchanan. She's well uh, joining the Texas Tech coaching staff as a, at, with Lady Raiders in Lubbock. Bianca Smith has been promoted at Rice. Bianca uh, played at Bel Air High School, and Demetri played at Jones High School. We've known them for, for years. Uh, Bianca, kudos to her, joining the Rice basketball staff. Kudos to Demetri, joining the Lady Raiders basketball staff. I guess we're getting old, Wildcat. I guess we're seeing people we play we've seen grow up. Become coaches now. now it was the one that really, really makes me old is watching Jason Kidd become a coach now. Yeah, Jason Kidd, head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. We saw Jason Kidd come in Houston, come to the H and P E Arena. Uh, but, Lee, Lee Cal, you know something in the in, in, in U days. Against him in my BCI yeah. in U days, and uh, this he was a junior then. You know, and, and, and I'm gonna tell you, he was a load. But you got a bunch of seniors and a bunch of, they always tell you, you know, you got men, you know, you got boys and, and boys that need to grow. He found out he needed to grow one more year. So Wildcat, did your coach, coaching lead the team to beat Jason Kidd's team? Yes. Okay. So <laughs> they the Jason Kidd's team? <laughs> Jack Vaughn's team? I wasn't afraid to go into California and slap somebody around. I'm from Texas, son. That's right. <laughs> and we're going to end it like that. Because one of these days when we got nothing that's going on, and, and probably not in the season over because I thought about this the other night, LeBron James, that, when that kid stood up and picked, that, and picked up that trophy the other night, I thought about that Friday and that Saturday weekend. <laughs> Folks, up until that point, <laughs> it was just, people didn't know what they was looking at. That night, that weekend, I will say this, and I'll let you finish that. It wasn't a bunch of hoorah screaming and hollering when he had his hands on the ball. It was a bunch of ooh and and ah. I'm going to say it just like that because he's the, best, he's the best player I've seen in person. High school, High school player, period. He's the best player I've seen in person. Because his knowledge of the game and understanding where folks are supposed to be and sitting there waiting and guys looking like, I better not get too close to the fence. I better get some cushion. Because he was in control. He controlled everything on the floor. But I want to get back to what you said because you are from Texas. We are from Houston. We're HIV products. The KGM Fifth Wheel Wildcat Podcast. This is what we do. It's how we do it. We're going to wrap it up. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you for the new people who are listening because that means friends are spreading the word for us. We appreciate that. And in conclusion, be true, be cool, and do more. <laughs>